This is the Improved Photography Podcast, episode number 185. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. Today I'm joined by Brian McGuckin and Larissa Gobetz. Hey guys. Hey. Hey. Well, we are here for your weekly dose of photography knowledge, and um, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. Today has been like the most insane day of my life. Uh, Emily, my wife, is in Phoenix this week checking out a location for the Improved Photography Conference coming up uh, in early March of 2017. Uh, Lots of details coming uh, forward on that, but it's something we're excited about. But what it means is I am on baby duty and podcasting duty. So if you hear gurgles and spit-ups, you might just have to ignore that on this episode of the podcast. Well, we... um, have some questions that came in from readers. Um, the first is from Kevin Jordan. Um, and he basically is doing a wedding ceremony video for a friend of his. Um, he said it's going to be a very basic setup. He's not trying to do a you know full-blown Hollywood production, but he just wants some ideas on, uh, on kind of what settings he should use and, and what to do about audio. Uh, have either of you done much with video? I've assisted with video. And so what would you recommend for a basic setup? I didn't set it up. He set it all up for me, and then I just took the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I do quite a bit of video for uh, improved photography. I've been forced to learn the the video side of things. Um, And uh, microphones can get super expensive and complicated. The thing that I would recommend for this is called the Rode SmartLav. Um, I want to say it's around 70 bucks um, on Amazon. And basically, it's just a tiny little um, lavalier microphone um, that you know clips to your shirt and then connects to your your phone, your smartphone, your you know Android or iPhone, whatever you got. And the advantage of this is you don't need a whole recorder that would cost a couple hundred bucks and is extra equipment. And this is just super tiny, so it just records on this little uh, microphone. It has a cord that runs under your shirt to your phone, and then you use the Rode app, which this is a, a, a annoyance is you buy the device and then they still make you pay for the app too, which is a little bit weird. Um, but anyway, you buy the app is $7, but it's actually a really high quality microphone. Um, and it's great for doing something like this. Cause you can just, you know, you don't need two microphones, uh, you know, and, and get a whole bunch of gear for this where you're doing just a simple shoot. You can, uh, just grab, uh, this Rode Smart Lav that's uh, pretty inexpensive, and just pluck it right into their cell phone, and then just have them, you know, leave the cell phone in their pocket recording, uh, and you got really nice, professional, even sounding audio uh, on on a pretty good deal. So that's one that I use pretty often when you watch improved photography tutorials. You'll see that Rode Smart Lav in use. Uh, as far as camera settings, just the real basic. If you've never uh, done this, done the DSLR video. When you're you, when you're doing videography, you ha- you have to keep your shutter speed pretty well fixed, uh, unless you're going for a creative kind of look. Uh, your shutter speed is going to be probably you know one sixtieth of a second, 
um, depending on, on what, what the frame rate is of your video. And so you'll just set your shutter speed and you'll adjust your uh, aperture and ISO to get your exposure settings correct. And then you'll, uh, you can go ahead and, and do the video just with uh, your normal DSLR equipment. So uh, I don't think it has to be terribly expensive, but there are definitely some uh, new things you have to, have to kind of learn and hoops to jump through when you're doing video. Don't some of the cameras only record for a certain amount of time? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, a lot of DSLRs have only a 10-minute record uh, time, even some of the new ones. Uh, that, that's just something that the camera manufacturers have had a hard time with because it's heating up the sensor. Um, and so they, they just are not made for that real long run time. So that's a, that's a good argument for running at least two cameras here. Um, and maybe staggering the start time a little bit uh, so that they wouldn't die out on you uh, right in the middle of the I do's. It'll be like, what's going to happen? And we'll never know if they said I do because there was a cut in the video. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Now here's yeah. a question, Jim, about that. If, let's say you're doing that and you're still, I would assume maybe he's also photographing the wedding. Are you able to use um, like a remote to where if he's like, halfway down on the side of the aisle and the cameras in the back that he's recording the video with, could he just be like, okay, it's probably been close to nine minutes. Maybe I should turn it off, you know, press a, a button to stop it and then press it to start it again. And then, you know, if his phone vibrates every nine minutes, that could be a reminder for him to turn it on and off with a little remote or can a remote not do that? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I have there are definitely a lot of remote shutter releases, wire shutter rele or wireless shutter releases for the shutter. I don't know if it would start video. Um, maybe some of them do for sure, but I I don't know that I've seen one. W definitely though, if you have the uh, a camera with Wi-Fi that can sync to your phone, like on my Fuji, I could do that just with my uh, my phone across the room. I could I could start the video. Um, but, uh, but I don't know if a, a wireless shutter release would, would start the video. Good question. And one more suggestion is make sure you have a spare memory card in your pocket because when it does fill up, you don't want to have to go running back to your bag for that memory card. Yeah, definitely not great in the middle of a wedding. Uh, okay, well, um, we got lots more questions, but I want to jump into our five-minute segments of the week. Um, I'm intrigued by this. We have talked a lot about um, about uh, um, Adobe and some of the things they've done with Lightroom uh, that we are all bemoaning the the performance problems that we've seen in Lightroom um, over the last year. And we saw some signals that that made us hope that Lightroom is working on the on the performance to make it just snappier, just faster, flipping between photos. Um, but, Apple released an update to to Lightroom this week, and what did what feature did they give us that we needed that we all really wanted? Connectivity to the Apple TV. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know where this came from. Like, how many how many Lightroom users are like, man, I wish I could show my Lightroom photos on the Apple TV. Like, I don't know. I have two Apple TVs in our house. I love the Apple TV. I think it's a great device. I might maybe even someday at some point use this, uh, but but the thing is, my Apple TV already connects to my phone, and Lightroom Mobile's already on my phone, so I could already do this, yet they've gone out to create a whole new Apple TV app for Lightroom instead of focusing on what we're all talking about, the performance issues. Is this driving you guys crazy, or is it just me? 
I haven't even heard about this, but my first thought is why would they do that? And it made me wonder if it's some like photo sharing thing to where if you've got the Lightroom app or whatever on your Apple TV and if your friends do or whatever as well, then they could get on to see whatever images you have synced with that or I, I don't know. I This is the first I actually have heard of it. Well, that's a, that's a good point. Maybe they're thinking of this more as a as a marketing thing. You know, they're Apple TV. There are a lot of Apple TVs around, and they just want people who have Apple TVs to see Lightroom there and become interested in the software. Uh, but that's also concerning too. Uh, if Lightroom is wanting to push uh, push the software to a much much wider audience than the serious hardcore photographers like us, like the people that listen to this show. Um, then it's, it spells trouble because that's exactly what happened with Apple's Aperture. It was good software. It was given Lightroom a run for its money. And then uh, updates started to be less and less frequent. And suddenly Apple just said, we're killing Aperture and it's, we're going to make this Photos app that really is not anywhere near what, what a serious photographer would probably want. Uh, so th it's concerning to me no matter what, uh, even if it is just just a marketing thing that they want to get it to a vaster, uh, uh, more vast audience. It's still concerning because I, I'd rather them just that they just focus on the the serious photographers. No thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't mind editing on my big TV. You know, then I could make sure everything's in focus. But, you know, probably would be a little difficult, but that might be something they're looking to add. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I want to trust the monitor because then you got to calibrate your big TV and <laughs> it just that would be a headache. It is. And, and when I've showed uh, my photos on a TV, they look terrible, terrible because TVs, I, I mean, the... You know, we're all uninformed consumers. We like, you know, I got $500, I want to buy a TV. I walk in, walk into Walmart or Best Buy and we're like, well, that one looks really colorful and really bright and the one next to it doesn't. Um, and so the TVs come, come out of the box when they're on the shelf just with crazy looking colors and stuff um, because they want it to look more interesting and make the colors pop when it's on the wall. So a TV is, is a bad device for lo for looking at photos unless you've really gone to the work to to calibrate it um and and then when you do calibrate a tv a lot of your tv shows are, are going to look terrible because the 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 producers the people that are making tv shows they know that the average consumer has their settings turned way up um and so if they tune their their uh, their shows to look perfect for a calibrated screen, well, that's only one percent of the audience that's going to see that. They want to make it look good for the vast majority. So just there's no winning uh, on a TV. It, the the image is just not gonna look right. That's that's uh, a computer screen is just much better suited to that, where we can calibrate it and dial it in and make it look perfect for photos. All right. Well, um, we, we will see what happens with this. I will say, however, that, that there were there was a update that uh, that was given um, that had to do with performance at the same time. And there was an issue that that Lightroom was using a lot of memory um, at some point during the import process. And I have had a couple freeze ups, not many, uh, but a couple over the last little bit. Uh, because it, there was there was an issue with the RAM. It was just trying to address too much RAM. Um, and so they have fixed that. So 
its performance, but it's really just a bug fix. It, this is not a you know a major overhaul of of how speed is going to work on in Lightroom. So um, yet another concerning sign from Adobe. Uh, I, I don't I don't know what's happening. Like one day it looks like they're listening to us and they're like, okay, we're going to fix this, and then we keep seeing more and more and more updates that have nothing to do with the problems that that we are all talking about. So uh, I, I'm anxious to see what this becomes over time. Well, Brian, you've been doing a lot of exciting things. What do you have for us this week? I have. What's been oh, exciting yeah. that I've been doing? <laughs> do you know something I don't know? Yes, you got school coming up. You've been, you've been, you're, you're doing stuff. <laughs> I've got a, a a lot in my mind that I would like to do, and I'm going to hopefully try to make happen here as the uh, NFL season is approaching. Um, I have a few ideas of. Uh, some stuff that, well, I can't really talk about. I've got some ideas that I would like to make happen with it, but I don't know if it's going to happen. So here's what I have going on. You're going to switch switch from the Colts, maybe see the light, go shoot the Denver Broncos. Is that what? Uh, Jim, <laughs> I've, never, I've never been a Colts fan. I'm a Bears fan. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot I'm a that. Bears fan. I do, it's I, hard to remember when you live in Indianapolis. I know. It is. It is. I don't mind the Colts, though. But, uh, yeah, the last game I did shoot was uh, – Peyton Manning versus Andrew Luck when uh, the Broncos were playing the Colts here last season. Awesome. Yeah. So, okay. So here's what I want to talk about. The importance of organizing your photos from the very, very beginning and having some type of system down and saving your raw files. So I've been shooting now for eight years. And when I came back from China, which was awesome, by the way, <laughs> which I just, I can't let go of China. I know it's been a month now and we're supposed to move on. I just can't. So when I came home, my local newspaper uh, had an article about how at the uh, Carmel Clay Public Library, they did something that has to do with the Dragon Boat Festival. And so they had a picture there. I'm like, oh, Dragon Boat Festival. I was just in China celebrating that. So I reached out to the, uh, the woman who wrote the article and I sent just a couple of pictures. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Can we get in touch with you and interview, interview you? And I said, sure, that'd be good. And so the guy interviewed me and just asked me some few a few questions, kind of more so about how uh, a lot of the locations, the countries that I've been able to shoot in are also countries that I teach since I do teach sixth grade social studies. And so he interviewed me, uh, just asking me a few questions about those two things together. And the focus was on China. And so I thought, I'm like, okay, if this goes out, you know, there's a good chance that a handful of people, more people may visit my website than what normally would. And so also since we've been back from China, I've had a handful of people contact me about wanting to purchase some prints. And so this is kind of new for me where multiple people have asked about purchasing prints. So I thought, okay, I need to get a new website up out there. And I created a new website, which... I would love for anybody to check it out and give me some feedback. It just went live as of this morning. Um, and I know there are new things I, I need to fix on it and all. But uh, so if you could check out brianmcguckin.com and give me feedback about any glitches and stuff that you see, I would appreciate that. Uh, it's kind of a weird system with um, how I've created it. But one of my favorite parts is I made a travel part where there's a map of the world and you can click on areas, which takes you to a gallery of photos from that trip. That's cool. So, which I love and I'm excited about. But 
as I went back, I'm like, some of these pictures I took four years ago and my style of editing now is totally different because four years ago, I was trying HDR. And what do you do when you first start HDR? You tend to make horrible images that you think are awesome in the beginning. At least I did, maybe you don't. So I was going back trying to find all my raw files to re-edit them. The problem is I don't have a Drobo like you do. So I, I've used multiple hard drives. So I had seven external hard drives laying out, trying to go back and figure out where these files are and where these pictures are and going back to some weddings as well and re-editing. So my wife was great. She's like, Brian, you need to get this done. Get out of here uh, in a nice way. And so I went away for four days up to Michigan and I just sat there with my hard drives and found things and reorganized. So I cannot stress how important it is to organize your images well from the beginning and saving those raw files because eventually down the line, you're going to be like, ooh, that was awesome. You know, it was a one-time experience to be there. I wish I could re-edit that because I've got some, like, I've got some pictures of San Francisco of the Golden Gate Bridge and all that, that I can't stand the way those images look now. But if I could find the raw files, I could redo them. So I just think it's extremely important that people have some type of system down in order to, uh, just from the, from the beginning, have all your pictures organized well. Do you guys have a good organization system? I like to think I do. You like to think you do? Yeah, yeah I've got, I, sorry, go I've, I've got things organized by date, and then I've also got country and whatever city in the country that um, we were in at the time. So... 2014, probably 2013, and up till now are organized that way. And anything before then is just organized by month, pretty much. Do you have, yeah. do you have children, Larissa? Yes. Yes. Okay. Jim, what about you with your kids? Like, my wife is always frustrated at me because she never sees the pictures of my kids. And I don't mm -hmm. know where they're at. You know, I take them at random times. And I mean, I have them. I just don't have time to print them off. So they're just sitting yeah. on my computer. Okay. I know exactly where you're coming from, Brian. I was the same way. Like every six months, Emily would say, okay, show me how I get to family photos. <laughs> and, uh. and she'd be like, this is great. You know, look at all the pictures. So I set out on a mission um, over the last couple months. Uh, I was recording a tutorial for Improved Photography Plus, which is live now. It's called Lightroom Medic. Um, and my whole goal with this was to fix exactly what you're talking about that I wanted to be able to find any picture I've ever taken. Um, you know, of my kids, Disney World from four years ago, I wanna find any picture I've taken within 60 seconds. Um, and it was a lofty goal because when you have 100,000 pictures in there, it's pretty hard to get to exactly what you want. So, um, so I spent a long time organizing my portfolio and watching tutorials, looking at what other people were doing um, and trying to make a really solid organized Lightroom uh, portfolio. Uh, and then I shared what I learned on Lightroom Medic uh, that's available on improvedphotographyplus.com. Um, and anyway, the, the thing that has been more helpful than anything else, especially for finding family photos, is the facial recognition. But when you, get facial, when you turn on the facial recognition in Lightroom at first, it is a mess. Because, it, you know, you have a catalog. Let's say you have 20,000 photos in your Lightroom catalog. Well, it's running things on all 20,000. And so you, as soon as you click facial recognition, your computer is going to be locked up for like 
10 minutes and then you're going painfully one by one. It's super slow. But what I found is if you take 500 photos at a time and put it in a collection, just make a little temporary collection, then you can run facial recognition super fast. And so I spent, I maybe spent 10 hours going through 100,000 photos and putting facial recognition on every single photo I've ever taken. Uh, so I came up with a process that made it pretty fast. So, you know, 10 hours, but 100,000 photos. Um, and now, like, I can type... You know, I want to see photos of Faith Harmer, my little three-year-old baby here. Um, I, I want to see Faith Harmer, and I can pick a, you know, a year and a month, and then it's really easy to find it. Or I want to see pictures of Emily with Ruger, and boom, you have them right there. So facial recognition has been huge for me. Are you doing that at all? Well, I started that, and the issue I have is when you have a husband and a wife and you have children, they tend to look like you. Or they look alike. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's picking up different kids saying, oh, is this this one? Is this this one? I'm like, no, that's a different one. Around that same age, yeah, they look similar. And so it just was a headache. And I'm like, I turned it off. Yeah, it is a mess. I, I have found, though, that if you go in collections and once you, you know, go through a lot, I mean, maybe you go through 5,000 photos and you have, you know, maybe 100 of each kid, it starts to get better. It's not perfect. It's not nearly as good as, you know, when you op upload a photo to Facebook and boom, it always knows who it is. It's not that good, but it's decent. Um, and so I've, I, I found that once I, once I got into it pretty deep and did the, the annoying work, that it started to get pretty decent at recognizing the faces. Now, are you using keywording too? Yeah, I am. Um, and I, I don't go wild on the keywording, um, but just just enough to, to get us there. You know, it's going to be Yellowstone, wildlife, just just a few uh, major keywords. So when I put a card in the computer, I'm, um, I'm typing in keywords that apply to everything in that card on the import screen. But often it'll be more than one shoot on the card. You know, I might have shot a couple family photos while we were um, out, out camping. And then that night I did some night photography. And so the keywords aren't really, you know, the only keywords that apply to all of those pictures are, you know, maybe this is Cascade, Idaho, where we were camping. Maybe those, those are the only keywords that apply. So I'll put that in, in the import screen. But then once I'm, once I'm in, in the, in the library module, I'll just click one and then click, you know, 50 photos later that these are all the same. And I'll type family. Family is my keyword that just means this is not a, you know, a photography thing. This is just a family picture. And so having that, that keyword and the facial recognition uh, has really been helpful. But it was a pain in the rear to get started. But now that I put in the time and kind of found that process that's working for me, I've really been happy. And and my wife even sat down last week. This made me so happy uh, on Lightroom. And she was looking at family photos and not saying, Jim, how do I get to this or that? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I've done it. This is awesome. Nice. Well, maybe I'll have to try it. Do, so do you explain that in the Lightroom Medic? Yeah, that's what the whole course is about. It's about taking your Lightroom catalog that, you know, you may be spread across multiple, um, you know, multiple uh, catalogs or, uh, you know, you haven't keyworded uh, regularly over over time, all that kind of stuff, and working into a uh, uh, an organization that makes sense. So it's called Lightroom Medic, and it's available on improvephotographyplus.com. Uh, that's our subscription site. It costs $20 a month, but there's a two-week free trial. Uh, but 
I, I really think you'd like uh, Lightroom Medic. I put a lot of work into it. So uh, if that's if that sounds like you, that you have a Lightroom catalog that's not what you want it to be, uh, that'd be one to check out for sure. All right. Well, we have a lot that we want to uh, talk about today. But before we move on to Larissa's topic, talking more about organization, uh, we want to take a second and thank BrentRentsLenses.com. Uh, Brent Rents Lenses has been a really great company uh, to work with. They've just uh, been really generous uh, to improve photography. Um, and so we, we hope that the improved photography uh, community will, will support them. Um, Brent Rents Lenses is, is a one-person, small uh, lens rental company. They have Canon and Fuji gear right now. They're, they're expanding, trying to get more, and hoping to get in, into, that Nikon, um, into the Nikon gear. They have great prices, really good personal service. This is just a great way to support a, an honest, good, smart, uh, small business. Um, and, and they really are doing a very nice, uh, nice job at it. So their website is Brent rentslenses.com um and you wouldn't believe it but his name is actually brent um, and what does he so, what does he rent it's it's lenses, lenses. actually <laughs> yeah, i can understand why that's confusing <laughs> he's actually can i just say he is a real nice guy i've i've met him and uh when i was out with uh before china out in the northwest area he's he's a nice guy yeah and, and you know what to me that makes a big difference uh, when I'm when I'm working with a company is I just I, I like knowing that that I'm working with somebody that's you know really doing things right running running their business being being kind to their customers and doing things right uh, so do it also be sure to go on to their uh, Facebook page for Brent rents lenses and give them a like I'll be sure to post that in the group so you guys can go uh, check out their Facebook page uh, so the next time you have a have a lens rental need. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you'd check them out at brentrentslenses.com and use offer code IMPROVE at checkout, and that's going to give you 15% off uh, your first rental. That's brentrentslenses.com. All right. Well, Larissa, you want to talk a little bit more about keeping uh, things organized, but this time we're not talking about Lightroom. We're getting into uh, other areas. So what do you have in mind? Um, well, I have a full-time job, and I also do photography, um, not full-time, but a lot of the time. So a couple of the ways that I keep organized is the software that I use for my studio, basically, is called Pixify. And I think, Jim, that you had tried it once before, and you didn't like it, but since i No, I'm... I don't know this. I, I haven't tried it. Okay, I thought someone had. Um, so it's... There's several of them out there. There's 17 hats. There's Pixify, and then there's another one. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Pixify is a very good software for keeping track. You can have clients and leads. Um, you can link contact information or you know email contacts and stuff to your website. You can have pricing pages and things like that. Um, I use it to keep track of the podcasts that we do so I don't miss any. The ones that I've so signed up for. So is this just like an organizational tool, or what is it about? It's a what studio does it do management. For photographers? It's a studio management tool, is what so it it'll, is. So it's like a customer relationship management kind of software. Yeah, I mean, you can do contracts in there. You can do questionnaires in there. Um, so the contracts can be signed electronically. If you have a contract with a customer, um, you can send pricing. They can actually pay through there if they'd like through PayPal or um, I think they've got Square linked up there too. So it helps me keep track of everything that I'm doing and the appointments that I have, the contracts that are signed, 
You can also link your pictures um, through there too. What, your, what happens is your client has a portal and they can go in there and look at the contracts and sign them, look at the questionnaires, look at invoices and that kind of stuff. But it's there. just the it's just the uh, kind of nuts and bolts stuff. You're not actually sending photos. You're sending just the contracts and the organizational stuff, right? Right. Okay. Right. And and pricing I'm looking at looks like the basics is is twenty five dollars a month. Studio Pro is fifty dollars a month, and Boutique is thirty five dollars a month. Right. Um, which level are you using? I am using the um, the basic. So but I was twenty five dollars a month. Right. And I was thinking of going up to the Boutique because I have more than one um, photography genre that I do. So I was contemplating going up there to that also because I've got boudoir and I've got wedding. So I definitely wanted to separate those two, basically the studios. Yeah, I would. I mean, people show up naked for a wedding. You won't know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one of the ways that I organize the photography side of the business. Um, I read a lot of blogs. And I use Newsify, which I used to love Google Reader. It was my favorite. We all loved Google Reader. I'll never know why they killed that. So Newsify is similar to that, where you can have all your blogs in one place. Um, And I normally will read them before going to bed. And they'll pop up in the Newsify. I've got them separated by different categories. So I've got a travel category, a photography category, and a money category. So if I don't feel like reading, you know, about travel for the day, I just go to one of the other categories. And you can also favorite or star your um, the blogs that you want to save for later. So I have that. And then the big thing that I use is um, Microsoft OneNote. And what that is, is it's basically like notebooks. So I can be sitting in my office and I think of an idea or something that I want to talk about or some web page that I want to look up. So I'll open up OneNote and I will put it in there somewhere. Um, I've got different sections of my notebook um, and I have different notebooks. I have a travel notebook, which I use to plan our travels. I have a Photos by Larissa notebook, which I use for photography. Um, I've got an improved photography section for doodads and, you know, topics and things like that. So I can keep track of the things that I want to talk about and ideas for later. And I also have for our camera club, the St. Augustine Camera Club, I'm on the critique committee. So every month we have to critique photos. So I'll have each month separated out and then I will go ahead and put little thumbnails of the photos that I want to critique in there so that I can keep, you know, when we're in the middle of the the meeting, I know what I'm, you know, looking at and what I thought about it ahead of time. The great thing about OneNote is that you can use it across platforms. So I have it on my iPad, I have it on my iPhone, I have it on my computer at work, and I have it on my Mac and my laptop. So if and I have ev- you compared that to Evernote, how does it how does it stack up? Um I've tried Evernote, it confused me. <laughs> Yeah, I I can actually see that. People talk about how simple it is, but mm, it was a little bit weird to me too. Yeah, I. How, I just, how do you find the time to set all that up and and organize all that? Well, it I sounds mean, like something Erica would do as well. I bet it she does. Yeah. Organization <laughs> system. Well, if I come up with a new idea, I just go in the notebook and create it. You know, it's mostly for jotting things down or typing things down, really. Um, Though on the iPad one, you can actually write on there if you need to, if you have a stylus that works. Mine doesn't. Um, 
but yeah, it's just little things like when I joined the Improve Improve Photography podcast, I just created a tab for Improve Photography. So when I started thinking of doodads, I would go in there and dump them in there. So it's not a huge organization, but I tend to write things down on pieces of paper and then lose the piece of paper. Yeah, so, me too. I use right. the Notes app on my iPhone like constantly. And yeah. I love that it syncs with my Mac so that I can always have those notes going because I, I have notes on everything. I mean, photo locations, ideas, you know, just as I this week we were looking at cars. And so I made notes on each of the cars we were looking at just uh, everything I put in in my notes on my on my iPhone is great because it's nice and searchable. So yeah, whatever app I guess I guess you like, but boy, having somewhere where they're all together, I think sure makes a difference. Yeah, and this actually looks like a notebook. I mean, it's got tabs on the top, and then there are sheets of paper on the side. You can put links in there. You can put pictures in there. You can, you know, put tables Ooh, and all kinds of. There's stuff. a name for that. What's it called? Where you use something from the real life. And and you're you're using like computer things that make it look like a folder. You know, on a computer we call it a folder because of the folder in real life, the physical one. To to explain the technology you're using, skeuomorphism isn't that what it is? Huh? <laughs> Come on, this is gonna be the word of the sure, day. Sure, yeah, so that's what it is. Google says skeuomorphism is the design <laughs> concept. This is it of making items represented represent resemble their real world counterparts. Boom. So, so it's kind of like, like the word of the day. Skeuomorphism. It's kind of like, like personification, but opposite yes yeah yes <laughs> yes that's what <laughs> skewmorphism skewmorph is it screw morphism or skew s-k-e-u-o skewmorphism sorry i totally sidetracked you larissa <laughs> that's okay <laughs> well i i use i use just ical for uh for my uh calendaring things the, the reason that I like iCal that it works for me is because I can talk to Siri because I'm often these days I'm like holding the baby constantly and trying to do four things at once. Like right now where I'm trying to podcast and feed the baby, it's not easy, um, but we're making lemonade out of lemons today. Um, and so I, I talk to Siri all the time and I'll say, I'll, you know, you just press your button or you can even say, hey, Siri, and it's supposed to wake up, but it never does. But like, you know, even my passport is is going to uh, is going to expire like eight years from now. And I'm like, man, I don't want to plan a trip and forget because you never check your passport because they last so long. And so I can say, hey, Siri, remind me on August 1st, 2029 to renew my passport. It's awesome. And All so right. as long as I either have a Mac or an iPhone in 2029, that reminder is going to come up, and then I'm going to look at my passport and say, you know, it doesn't even need to be reminded today. <laughs> anyway, but you, I, I use it. it all the time for uh, for little reminders. Like I'll be laying down to sleep, and I'm like, oh, remember to text this person tomorrow about this or that. And and you can just say, hey, Siri, remind me of this, and, and she'll pop up a reminder. So I, I love that. I, I guess everybody has their own preference on, on organization, but I, I like sticking with all the Apple stuff since it's syncing between my computer and stuff. Have you ever had Siri tell you a joke? No. No. Let's see if it has a Do good it. One. Say, say, Siri, tell me a joke. Hey, Siri, tell me a joke. I can't. I always forget the punchline. <laughs> nice. <laughs> say it again, and it'll come up with a different one. Hey, Siri, tell me another joke. I don't think you'd understand a joke in my language. They're not so funny, anyway. 
<laughs> okay. Sometimes she's they'll feeling, tell you. She's feeling a little ornery tonight. Sometimes they'll give you a knock-knock joke. And if you ask, uh, I think if you say, hey, Siri, what's above me? It will tell you what airlines are currently flying over your area. Oh, that's cool. Really? Yeah. Yep. Fascinating. Yep. What do you use for that. organization for your photography business, Brian? Like, you know, when you're when you're booking a, a wedding or you're, you know, booking a NFL shoot, you're going to do something. Are you using Google Calendar or iCal or what are you doing to keep organized? We just use iCal, iCalendar, because I have to check and make sure that it works with my wife and, you know, we have the calendars together. And so I use that. I use the notes on my on my on my iPhone all the time. Um, I find myself a lot lately just taking pictures. But then I've got it or like with my iPhone, but I need to do a better job of organizing those pictures because I'll go back and be like, okay, where was this book or what was this idea or thing I was trying to capture? But yeah, I mainly just do things right in my phone. I, I have Evernote. I just don't use it very well. Um, I do upload my contracts to it just so I have my contracts backed up somewhere easily to get to. But other than that, I, I wish I was like Larissa and Erica and that type. Well, I guess I don't wish I was had that type of personality. That would drive me crazy. But my wife would wish that I had that type of organization system. Yes. Why do you think that my wife is planning the improved photography work, uh, the improved yeah. photography conference? She's way better organized than I am. I'm great at bringing up an idea and doing a horrible half job of it. <laughs> That's what I can do. I can get to work and get something done. But organization is not my strong suit. There's a reason why opposites attract, you know? Yeah, they it's a good thing. Well. It's a good thing. Well, Larissa, that's cool. I, I, I think that's a, that's a good recommendation. Appreciate that. Well, in every episode, we like to leave you with a doodad of the week. This is a product or a, a resource that we want to uh, recommend uh, you to, to check out. And uh, Brian, what do you have for us today? Well, what do I have for you? I have for you, and maybe it's already been talked about, but... Um, I don't like the camera strap that just says Canon across it. And if I was a what, Nikon, Nikon user, I'm sure they'll say that as well. So what I really like a lot is the Peak Design, uh, their camera strap. I think it's called a, a slide. And I'm kind of showing it here on the video. But what I like about it is, first, I love this color. I've got blue. I've got a burnt orange one. And it looks a, like a seat belt. Is it like a seat belt see, material? That's what some people say. They're like, oh, it looks like a seat belt. I don't care. To me, I like it better. But yeah. No, I think it's cool looking, but but it's that kind of material. Yeah, yeah. It's seatbelt material. And it's got on the top kind of like this, uh, these two little rubber like straps. So you carry it on you or over your shoulder. And if you don't want it to slide around, you kind of just do a flip and then it kind of helps hold it in place. But what I love about it is the little slide that's on it because... At my, at my height, it's just nice to be able to, you know, sometimes I want my camera down by my hip. Sometimes if I'm walking through a crowd or around people, I don't want my camera down so low where it's just like flipping around. So you just simply grab this little clip and you pull and it slides up and then you shorten and it just shortens the length of it really quick and easily. So I really like that feature a lot. Uh, and then the way it connects to is kind of neat, this little system they have and um, it allows you to just pop it right off, and you can just click it back on. It's kind of hard, I guess, if you're not watching the the video version of it. Okay, so and it has an end on it. the end of the strap. Just has kind of a kind of a quick release buckle. Right. That, that uh, and then the camera just has this little kind of a dongle hanging off of it, and they just snap together real quick. Yeah. Now, and what you about can put on the it, bottom? 
you can put it in different places. Yeah, on the bottom, I've got my plate for my tripod. And on the plate, it's got uh, holes in the corner. And you just feed the little dongle through one of the holes, and it can, it can sit. Actually, there's four different spots. And depending on which spot you put it in will depend on if your camera lens points down or if it points out. Um, so it can kind of like be adjustable. But for me, so the I, little loop under the dongle on the bottom part, that that's just going under your plate. So you could use this with an L plate, no problem, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Because this, or did I use that with the L plate? It seems like it no, would. I took it off because when I was using the L plate on my tripod, I didn't have the strap on. Okay. It's a good question. I don't remember what I was doing. Very cool. But well, it looks really nice. I just like that it, it it's really adjustable for different heights really easily. And how much does cool. it cost? Uh, $60, I think. Yeah, it's like $60. Not bad. No. Cool. And how many colors does it come in? I think there's three. There's a black, a burnt orange, and a blue. Okay. So I wear the black one at weddings, or if I'm feeling sassy, I wear the burnt orange. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my recommendation for this week is admittedly a little bit strange for some, but others, I think you might like this. This this would be a great one for uh, for Nick Page as well. Wait, 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 uh, so wait, 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 wait. Does this have anything to do with a bidet? No, this is no, has okay. nothing to do with the bidet, <laughs> but but it should. Bidets are are necessary equipment. Anyway, um, this is RunawayCampers.com. Uh, so my family just wa just uh, bought a travel trailer because we love going camping, and now we uh, have the little baby, and you can't put a little sweet little three-year-old baby in a tent. It's just not going to work. So we bought a little travel trailer, uh, and it's been great. Uh, I'm looking forward to next summer. We're going to do a little tour of the U.S., and I, there are just so many places just in the United States that I want to shoot. Um, and so so we're planning that, and it's going to help us to get out more. I want to get out and find new uh, new photography locations. But anyway, this is Runaway Trailers, RunawayCampers.com. They're tiny little one-person campers. They have heaters and air conditioners in them, and it's just enough room to like sit up uh, or or lay down. It has a full bed in there, um, and it has a you know your USB ports, and you can plug in and stuff. But it's this tiny little camper that you could tow behind a you know a sedan. Um, and they only cost $2,500, which, you know, it's a lot of money, just period. But, but for a trailer, that's, that's amazing. Um, but I thought this would be so cool if you are the road warrior kind of photographer. Um, and, you know, I love going out and, you know, I'll drive four or five hours to a location, something just, you know, close within, uh, within close distance to home. Uh, but if you buy a hotel every time you go out, it's pretty expensive to get out and shoot. And so it, it ends up with a lot of photographers just kind of sitting home. So I thought something like this would be really cool if you're the road warrior kind of photographer. Uh, I'm sure would save you money uh, in not that long. Uh, it's called runawaycampers.com. I haven't seen one of these in person, uh, but I got a cool review uh, uh, from somebody that had it. So something to check out if you're if you're more of the road tripper type. I love this. I, I think it's great. I mean, for the price, too, that's like a camera body and a lens, $2,500, you know, so... Yeah, and you're getting out to shoot, and, and I mean, that's you can get your lens, you know, you might get a 5% sharper image with a new lens, but if you do this, like, you got you got a whole lot of trips coming up that, that won't be terribly expensive, so pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Larissa, what do you have for us? I have the Young Nuo um, wireless flash controller and trigger. 
The one that I have is for the Nikon, which I think is the one that I have linked in the um, show notes. But it comes with, there's, it's a package. It comes with two. So one for each flash. So you can have two flashes and then one for your camera and you can control. Um, you can obviously expand and get multiple of the ones that go under your flash. Um, I've got two, but I believe there are seven groups. Um, or I think it's like seven channels and three groups or something like that, but I've used it. Um, and it hasn't failed me. It constantly, my flash is actually going off all the time. I was out this weekend shooting a birthday party and I'm outside by the pool and I had the trigger on my camera and the flash was inside and I hadn't turned off the trigger and my husband actually had to turn off the flash inside cause it kept going off even though you know, nobody was in there and I wasn't taking pictures in there. So it was working from outside into the building um, and firing the flash. So they're really good. I love mine and I use it all the time. So the reason that you would pick this one over the over the YN560TX, uh, the one that I think most people are probably using, is this one is going to do your ETTL and your high-speed sync. So if you have one of the young Nuo flashes that has those features, then then this would be a good one for you. Is that why you picked this one over the TX? Um, yeah, the except the young Nuo flash that I have is one of the older versions, so it doesn't have TTL, but it does work on my Nikon with TTL and high-speed sync. Ah, wow, why don't you cool. why don't you just sell the older one and get a new one? I mean, they're not that expensive, and I'm sure you could get at least half the price. Yeah, one. I just haven't gotten around to it. I mostly use my Nikon SB910, um, so that's the flash I use most of the time. So, huh, that's pretty cool. And it also works with the Nikon. I believe it's a six. I think the Nikon 600 SB600 so, flash. So you can use an SB600 with this receiver and use the high-speed sync and the ETTL on the Nikon SB600. Yes, and it's ITTL on Nikon's. Oh yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that you could do that. That's pretty neat. Very cool. Well, um, thanks, everybody, for joining us on this episode of the Improved Photography Podcast. Uh, really appreciate your support. Um, those of you who have been uh, kind enough to at least give us a try uh, on Improved Photography Plus, we are putting everything possible into Improved Photography Plus. Uh, new trainings coming out every month or more often, more often than that. Uh, and we are... Uh, just adding a ton there and the improved photography conference is going to be coming up uh, in February or March we're still working on details for that but it, we're looking like it's going to be in Phoenix Arizona so a nice warm place to go uh, during the winter and we are we're looking at some ways to really shake up the model of how a conference is because if you know me I get bored when I just sit in classrooms all day. I don't want to do that if I want to go have some photography fun for a weekend. Uh, and so we're, we're looking at how we can shake that up. But we also want to leave you with a do random of the week. And uh, Brian, you have a book recommendation for us. You know, I am, because I'm not organized, part of my lack of organization is because I'm always just busy, busy doing something. Um, so one thing that I don't have much time to do is to read. However, I went to my library and I uh, checked out a book, and it's kind of late. I owe a fine <laughs> on it. Um, but uh, here's my problem as a photographer is I don't, I don't consider myself an artist because, 
I guess because my brain doesn't work that way. Like I can see something, I can make something happen, but I don't feel like I do it artistically. I feel like I do it more, uh, I don't know, um, scientifically. I don't know. Technically. I'm, I'm with Technically. you. That's I just, what I was talking about last week. You don't yeah. have to scout to be a good photographer. Yeah, and so I don't consider myself that. But I love to read about it and kind of hear how maybe like there are parts of me that maybe kind of want to be or think I am. So anyways, <laughs> I got this book. Um, it's called Mastering Photographic Composition, Creativity, and Personal Style by, I think it's Elaine Briot, B-R-I-O-T. Elaine Briot. Okay, there you go. Oh, French probably, <laughs> right? Um, and oui, oui. Oui, oui. Some of, the, some of the images in it, I'm like, eh, that's okay. Then there are some like, oh, that's good. But just reading it, I'm like, I'm like drawn into it. And I want to read more about it. And like, I'm just finding myself as I'm reading, I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, amen, uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a good book. So that is my uh, do random recommendation of the week. Thank you very much. That's awesome. You're welcome. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us in this uh, episode, and we will see you in another seven weeks. Seven days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off, he man. Does, he does I have, a baby have not him. slept. I, I'm trying to feed the baby and do the podcast at the same time. The locksmith came over, and he charged me 400 bucks to fix a key in 10 minutes. It has been one of those days. So we'll, we'll see you in another seven days. <laughs>